0: Hi, this is Bob Yandian. Today is day number three in talking about the power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, healing that Jesus Christ has given to us. We're gonna talk today about the name of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ, the difference between the two and how to wisely use the name of Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40
1: years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian.
0: Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandy. Glad to have you here today. We've been talking now for a couple of days, a couple of lessons on the subject of divine healing. And uh, talking yesterday started into a subject on the difference between the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus, because there seems to be confusion on that. And I just want to make it as simple as what, what the word of God has to say. And so we started out yesterday ending the broadcast with talking about the blood of Jesus Christ. We'll continue on with that and then talk about also the use of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Glad to have you with us here today. I'm teaching on the subject of divine healing, the fact that it came from the cross, of Jesus Christ. Not only did Jesus die for our sins, but he also died for our sicknesses, our diseases. And by his stripes, we are healed. The blood of Jesus took care of our sins, but the broken body of Jesus took care of our sickness and our disease. That's why in communion, we have two elements. And one speaks of uh, internal healing. That is the uh, salvation. And one is external healing in our body. And so again, we have that. And by celebrating that within, we see the two major aspects of what what Jesus did for us on the cross. So he did other things for us too, but we won't get into that right now. We're dealing with the subject of divine healing. I have a book we're offering on the grace of healing. We've been talking about this for a couple of days, but then I have another book I want to mention to you. This is the one being offered on the broadcast. It's the one they'll talk about at the break, but I have another one called How Deep Are the Stripes? And this one gets also into the area of emotional healing. In fact, Jesus first mentioned, he said, uh, when he came to his own hometown, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the brokenhearted. He started with internal healing. And I mean, whether it's emotional, uh, you know, hard things you've been through, people abused you, all the different things can happen. You carry scars on the inside of you. Jesus can heal internal scars and will heal internal scars like he will external. And there's some of the greatest ministers I know today that came out of very abusive backgrounds. And so, um, and God has healed them today and actually put them into a ministry. And they're using that as a means of getting to people who have been abused in their life too, sexually abused and emotionally abused and physically abused. And so Jesus came to heal also what's on the inside of us, the scars of what people have done to us. Jesus died for that also. So that book is called How Deep Are the Stripes? When they talk to you about this book, you can order that, but also go to my website and look up the book on How Deep Are the Stripes. I think it'll be a great, great blessing for you. And uh, so again, thanks for being with us today. I do want to mention I've got a, a praise report here This is from Tia. And she says, thank you for your servanthood in your ministry, your teaching of the word has helped me with clarity in so many areas. And she says, God bless you. So again, thank you, Tia. Listen, if you have something you wanna say about the broadcast, go to the website and you can look it up and uh, type it in there and uh, send me an email and tell me what you think of the broadcast. And uh, I'll mention the good ones. Okay, I won't mention the bad ones. I do take the bad ones though and learn from them. So anyway, if you wanna do that, I'd be blessed to, to get that. Matthew chapter 26, let's get into the blood of the covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of the covenant simply means our covenant with God is written in blood for us. And that shows the eternalness of it. The blood represents the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He did shed his blood on the cross, but understand it's what his blood stood for. If it actually took blood today to get saved, we'd have to have bowls of it around and basically get into you know false uh, religion, things like that, that uh, people think you have to have the physical blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, or that when you drink the communion, it actually turns into the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ inside of us. And uh, that's more heathenism than it is Christianity. But on the other hand, it's what the blood stood for. And the blood stands for forgiveness of sins. This is what Jesus did for us. The blood represents his life. He not only came to give his blood a ransom for many, he came to give his life a ransom for many. And the blood of Jesus ties in all the Old Testament sacrifices too uh, with the bloodshed and ties in those two areas. But we know it was no longer the blood of animals that saved us and not the physical blood inside of Jesus because the Bible says that the life is in the blood. Jesus gave his life a ransom for many and the blood represented that. But when we take a look at the blood, there's doctrines behind the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's talk about that for just a moment. Matthew chapter 26, take a look with me at verses 26 through 28. Here it says, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink it, all of it, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Let's talk about that again. And uh, the drinking of the, the cup of the Lord Jesus Christ represents the fact that we accepted him as Lord and Savior. And then also by the eating of the bread represents we've taken in the healing power of God into our body by what Jesus did on the cross. The two are so inseparably linked together And uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter uh, eight said in verses 16 and 17 that uh, Jesus came and he healed so that might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah. The prophet himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So not only did he bear our sins inside of himself, which the blood stood for, but actually the physical body of Jesus stood also for the fact that he took our sicknesses and our diseases on the cross. John chapter six, verses 53 through 56. I'm just going to summarize these because I have so many of them I want to mention. It says, whoever drinks of the cup dwells in me and I in him. By taking in the bread and eating it and drinking the cup and taking it in and swallowing it, it becomes a part of our body, which represents what happens when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. He doesn't come to just stand beside us, be our friend. That's part of it but he actually comes to dwell inside of us, become part of me, I in him, him in me, him in God, I in God. We're so divinely entangled together. It's like scrambled eggs. I mean, when my life mingled with Jesus' life, which mingled with God's life, which God's life mingled with me, we're so entwined together. How do you separate that? How do you unscramble eggs? It comes back to the fact that in blood covenant, when they actually rub their blood together and it mingled together, how do you unmingle blood? Well, that's the beauty of being saved. How do you unmingle me from Jesus and from God the Father? We're divinely entangled, divinely mixed together by faith in Jesus Christ. So again, John 6, Jesus says, whoever drinks of the cup dwells in me and I in him. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 says, the church which he has purchased with his own blood, the church and Jesus are one. He is his church. We are him. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are a part of. And by becoming that and joining with Jesus in that, notice this, he's purchased us. He paid the ransom price for us with his own blood. He gave his life for us a ransom for many, the New Testament declares. Romans chapter three and verse 25 says that Jesus became propitiation and righteousness through faith in his blood. And when we do that, then he becomes propitiation, righteousness to us. I have his life. I have his pleasingness with God. Propitiation is just being God being satisfied with what Jesus did on the cross. And when Jesus died, God was propitiated for the first time and eternally propitiated. In the Old Testament, he was temporarily satisfied, appeased for a moment. But when Jesus died, that was it. No more sacrifices needed to be offered. And that's why we're told in Hebrews chapter 10 that the blood of bulls and goats could never remove sin. Only Jesus could. So God is eternally satisfied with Jesus. He's eternally satisfied with me. And I have propitiation, which is God's satisfaction and God's righteousness. How? Through faith in his blood. We're talking about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter five and verse nine says, we have been justified by his blood, made righteous by his blood. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16 says that we have the communion koinonia, fellowship with God, intimate communion with him by the blood blood of the Lord Jesus Christ so all these things tell us that when Jesus shed his blood it simply showed he was pulling us in with him and we have so much more than just than a relationship with him we have fellowship with him friendship with him and God is satisfied with us he's as satisfied as much with me as he is with Jesus Ephesians 1 7 Colossians 1 14 both say the same thing we have redemption through his blood the blood of Jesus Christ has redeemed us and purchased us back from the slave market of sin that Adam threw us into. Ephesians 2.13, we are brought near by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so just like, again, all the things that God has, also he's drawn me close to him. And this is for friendship. This is for communion. This is for him talking to me, fellowshipping with me, guiding me. All the different things the Holy Spirit does in my life came because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.20, we have peace. This word means reconciliation. I've been reconciled to God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are told there in Colossians 1.20. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 12 tells us that Jesus has sanctified the people with his blood. First Peter chapter one and verse 19 says we have been redeemed with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. First John 1 7 says we have fellowship one with the other. Me with God, God with me, me with Jesus, Jesus with God, Jesus with me. All of us have fellowship one with the other through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Revelation 1 5 says that he has washed us from our sins in his own blood. The purpose of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is for cleansing cleansing from sin. The blood cleanses. Unbelievers and believers. Unbelievers get saved. They come into a righteous relationship with God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But once that you are a believer, if you sin, 1 John 1 verse 7 and 9 tell us that we are brought back into fellowship with God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it brings sinners, the blood brings sinners into the new birth and also for believers it returns us back into to fellowship with God. And so again, it keeps believers in fellowship with God, or if the believer gets out of fellowship with God, it returns them back to fellowship with God, 1 John 1, 7 and 1 John 1, 9. So there we have the essence. Oh, listen, we could go on the blood for a long time, but let's switch now and talk about the name of Jesus. We have the blood of Jesus, and I'm going to say it right here. The blood of Jesus has one major purpose to, rem- uh, to remove our sins. As a sinner, to remove our sins and make, as a Christian as a Christian to remove those daily sins we have committed when we come when we come to the Lord and we confess them to him He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, the blood of Jesus, how powerful it is. But we're not going to switch to the name of Jesus because that has a different role in our life. This is where we have authority. Philippians chapter two, let's take a look at verses nine through 11. God also has highly exalted him, that's Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven heaven, those on earth, those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, the power of the name of Jesus. And in the second half of this broadcast, we're going to be talking about the difference between the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus and how that those two affect our life tremendously. The blood of Jesus has forgiven me of my sins, but the name of Jesus gives me authority. In the name of Jesus, I can come against demons and sickness and all these things. That's the power of the name of Jesus and we need to rejoice in that. So I will see you right after the break is over, and we'll continue talking at that time about the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: How much faith do I need to be healed? In The Grace of Healing, Bobby Yandian answers this question and reveals the missing ingredient to the healing you've been praying for, grace. Throughout church history, the doctrines of grace and faith have been taken to separate extremes as they relate to healing. The result is that many believers struggle to receive healing from God. Those on the side of grace deny the need for faith, believing that God only heals a select few. For those who only see a need for faith, the pursuit of healing becomes a legalistic struggle to change God's mind. Pastor Bob takes a different approach. With practical biblical teaching, that balances both elements of grace and faith. You'll find the healing you've been waiting for when you find the missing ingredient of grace. To order The Grace of Healing, visit bobyandian.com. With sin, Adam opened the door to every spiritual and physical curse for all mankind, including sickness. Jesus said, "'The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. "'I have come that you may have life, And that you may have it more abundantly." In How Deep Are the Stripes, Bob Yandian reveals that sickness and disease are the outward manifestations of eventual death. Their sole purpose is to keep you from fulfilling God's plan for your life. But Jesus came to give you life that includes health, wholeness, and victory in the course God has set before you. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave and gave you authority over every sickness or disease that would ever try to steal the health that belongs to you. Apply the revelation in this powerful book and you will be equipped to walk in the wholeness which is yours in Jesus Christ. To order How Deep Are the Stripes, visit bobyandian.com or call 918-250-2207.
0: We just finished talking about the blood of the lord jesus christ and what it is for the blood of jesus christ cleanses us and cleanses sinners. It cleanses a sinner when they come to Jesus. When they become born again, the Bible compares that to washing a person. I mean, we are washed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ because nothing can remove sins. Water can't, soap can't, uh, all your, you know, the fact that you can cry over them or or bring them to God and, and say how bad you are at all this. No, no, that does not cleanse your sins. Religion doesn't cleanse your sins and, and doing good works doesn't cleanse your sins. And being nice to people and giving, money to good charities. Those things are fine. But you know what? None of that will cleanse your sins and get you to heaven. What can cleanse your sins only is the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of Christ speaks of the death of Jesus Christ for us. And the blood of Jesus Christ, we're said in the word of God, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. As a sinner, it removes you out of Satan's kingdom and brings you into God's kingdom. The blood of Jesus Christ removes you from being a sinner into a saint. The blood of Jesus Christ removes you from a life headed for hell to a life now headed toward heaven forever and forever. I mean, there's eternal results with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the first place it, it comes into our life is the moment we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Then the other use of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is removing sins from the believer, and whenever we sin, we to come back. Now, here's the difference too. It took a lot of blood to get me saved. It only takes a few drops to remove me of my sin as a Christian. And that's seen in the word of God. There's the, there's the shedding of blood and the sprinkling of blood. The shedding of blood was put into bowls, a lot of blood, but then there was a the sprinkling of blood. Jesus mentioned this too in John chapter 13, where he talked about the fact that uh, he talked about foot washing and bathing. He said, when you get born again, basically it's like getting bathed. But whenever you as a Christian commit a sin, you need your feet washed. That takes a little bit of water. There was a basin in the Old Testament that the priest used. They would take a bath before they came to officiate for the people in the temple or in the tabernacle. And as they walked across the sand to get there, the sand got on their feet. You know what I'm talking about. Whenever you go swimming in the ocean and you want to head back toward your hotel, you know, which is right up the hill there, you head up, but you walk through the sand. And then they got those little those little faucets down there. You know, you've been in the ocean, so you're clean all over. But by the time you get up there to the sidewalk to go up to your room, you know, they had these little ones and there's there's a uh you know there's a spigot about this high off the ground you turn it on and wash your feet off with it So the ocean represents the blood of Jesus Christ to get saved, but this one you turn on for just a moment, which puts out a little bit of water compared to the huge ocean that's out there, that washes your feet off. That's 1 John 1, 9, because you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. You're now a Christian, but you're a Christian with dirty feet. You used to be dirty all over. Now you've been cleansed. And so the blood of Jesus Christ in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, And this again comes back to a little bit of water, or as Jesus talked about, foot washing. And so we see these things again, where you have the two and uh, the two bodies of water, the children of Israel, uh, coming into Canaan. The first one they crossed was the Red Sea. Notice the, the name of it, the Red Sea. It's a type of the blood of Jesus Christ. It was an ocean. There's no way they could cross that ocean. And so, but again, God split it like this. They walked across on dry ground. The water came back together. And that was a one-way trip. They couldn't come back the other way. It parted in one direction. They went over and it came back together. But before they could go into Canaan, they had to walk across a a river. And that was the Jordan River. That it was just as impossible to cross that as it was to go through the Red Sea because it was a torrent coming through at that time. Other times it wasn't like that, but this was during the rainy season. And I mean, the Jordan River was running fast, but this one, they touched it with their feet and it parted and went back in one direction and they went across. So, and the one that headed up in front of them was the priesthood. So you see, First John 1, 9 can't work for a sinner. You have to be a priest to use it. But again, when you get born again, Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 10, telling us about how to be born again by accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That's where we come through the Red Sea. But whenever we as Christians, 1 John 1.7, 1 John 1.9, confess our sins, the blood of Jesus Christ is used there. But notice it's just a little bit. It's the sprinkling of blood as opposed to the shedding of blood. And we have, uh, for a Christian, it just takes a little bit. And when you confess your sins, he can, he actually forgives the sins you have committed. You don't need to be forgiven all over again from head to foot like you did when you got born again. So all that to simply say is that, uh, that Bring, uh, the blood of Jesus Christ brings sinners into the new birth, but also it returns and it can keep believers in fellowship with God. And this is again the sprinkling of blood. But let's talk about the name of Jesus. There we have the blood of Jesus. As Christians, we have been given something sinners do not have, and that's authority in the name of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. We ended here at the first half. God also has highly exalted him, that's Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. So the name of Jesus has been given to us. And this is provision given to every believer. The name of Jesus has been given to every believer. But you must distinguish here, as this is saying, that the name of Jesus even causes those in heaven to bow. That would be angels, those that are up there that have gone on to be with the Lord, even spiritually saved beings, and angels that have never fallen, all those up there bow to the name of Jesus Christ. So again, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, that's every nation will one day bow before him, and those under the earth, that's Satan himself, all the demons, and all the sinners that have died and are in hell awaiting the time of the great white throne judgment. And then he goes on to say in verse 11, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. By using the name of Jesus, you're reminding demons and sickness and disease, and those things that oppose you, you are informing them that you believe in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. You're also informing those around you that hear you, and those in heaven have to stop for a moment when the name of Jesus is mentioned. Let's take a look at some other verses of scripture. How about in prayer? John chapter 16 and verse 24 says, before now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Notice he said, up until now, you've never prayed in my name, but I'm giving you authority in my name. And the moment you believe in me, accept me as your Lord and Savior, you have use of the name of Jesus Christ. And the use of the name of Jesus Christ brings you results. And the first place it brings you results in, John 16, 24, we just read is in prayer. That when you ask and pray, Pray, you pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, uh, Jesus even told us in uh, the Lord's prayer that when you start your prayer, start it out to the Father. But now He's telling us later on here in the Book of John that once you receive Him as Savior, now you you end it with His name, and so you've asked nothing in My name. That's why when we pray, we pray to the Father, and we end the prayer in the name of Jesus. Then casting out of devils. Christians have that ability, have been gifted with that at the new birth, and we have authority over demons. Luke chapter 10 and verse 17 says this, and the 70, that's beyond the 12, it's now gone into 70 disciples, returned again rejoicing, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through your name. So demons have to back off and it can be cast out and removed by the name of Jesus. How about healing? Acts chapter three and verse six, then Peter said to this was the man at the gate, beautiful, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Notice that the name of Jesus Christ has power over sickness and disease and paralysis here in this case. The Great Commission, Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18, 18 says, these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. So that amplifies in my name, the rest of it too. So in my name, they'll cast out devils. In my name, they shall speak with new tongues. In my name, they shall take up serpents. And in my name, if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover again, done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the name and given to us when they prayed uh, that when Peter and John prayed, they said, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I want you to notice this is the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Deity didn't come from Nazareth. No, humanity came from Nazareth. We don't use the name Christ when we do this. We use the name of Jesus or Jesus Christ, emphasizing his humanity. The one that purchased the right for us was not the fact that God did it. It's a human being without sin, was born without sin, lived without sin, and then died on the cross without sin, has given us the name that's above every name, and it's a human name. The name of Jesus was extremely popular in his name. There's two other Jesuses found in the book of Acts. And so we come back to it. It's really not the name of Christ, although people use the name of Christ and that's fine. He is known. That is a title for him, but Christ refers to his deity, not his humanity. We're told in Acts 10:38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. If he can anoint Jesus of Nazareth, he can anoint Bob from Bigsby, Oklahoma. He can anoint Bill from, you know, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. It comes back to it again that your human name is recorded in heaven, but God has given us the human name of Jesus, which has to rub it in the devil's face. We're not casting out a devil by the name of God, but a human being that was came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, and then at resurrection has taken that name and exalted it above every name in the universe. So let's talk for just a moment about the name of Jesus. Okay, it is authority that's been given to the church. The name of Jesus is the authority given to the church. Okay, our authority comes by using the name of the of Jesus Christ the son of God the one right under God himself and we, it, on top of that we use his human name and this is what again is has, has you know when satan had him and had him there in hell for 3 days and 3 nights thought he had him but the beautiful thing was when our sins were forgiven and totally forgiven he couldn't hold Jesus because Jesus had no sin and he had to be raised from the dead the blood does not give us authority the blood removes sins. It's the name of Jesus that gives us authority over Satan. So we don't plead the blood. You won't find any scriptures the Bible says we're to plead the blood. We don't draw bloodlines. There's no scripture on that. We use the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is our power of authority. So we don't plead the blood. We use the name. And what has been given to us in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9, and God has given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and things under the earth. This is the beauty of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ given to us. All I simply do is come back to this. God has given you the new birth and forgiveness of sins. That's the operation of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ does not belong to us, it belongs to God. The beautiful thing is, but God has entrusted us with the name of Jesus, the name that gives us authority in heaven, on earth, and even under the earth. So think about that. We'll continue with this tomorrow when we come back. Have a great day. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles
1: and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast.